Every magic trick consists of three parts, or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, a deck of cards, a bird, or a man. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, and it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 105, and our movie this week was 2006, The Prestige, and joining me to talk about it because he had not seen it before is Nisbet. Nisbet, how you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Good. So you had not seen this one before, but you are familiar with Christopher Nolan. Yes, I am. I have seen most of his Batman trilogy. Okay. And I say most with a question mark because I don't remember if I saw number two or not. I know I have not. So really, I that's, think I have. That's the one most people like go out of their way to make sure that they see. So I find that interesting. I think, oh, no, no. It is two I have seen. It's three I don't remember if I've seen or not. Okay. So how were you aware of this movie when it came out or afterward or anything like that? Or no, was this... you said this was 2006? Yes. Uh, I was in college in 2006, so I was studying, so probably not. Fair enough. You were, you were a good college student, in other words. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> you, were, you were studying, which was better than a lot of us did, so, um, you know. Studying. Uh, Okay, so you had never seen it before, um, but no. you've seen other Nolan films, so you're kind of you're familiar with yes. what he's capable of. Um, yes. All right, yes. so let's let's start with, uh, in this case, Christopher Nolan. Usually I like to start with the cast, but I kind of want to start with Nolan here because yeah. he's an interesting filmmaker to me. Yeah, he is. He has a very interesting style, mm-hmm. um, and I know that you can see a lot of that with um, his Batman trilogy. Realize I need to go pull up <laughs> the page because me being me, nerd, you know, geek, what have you. Um, but yeah, he he has a lot of interesting movies on his credit list. Um, he does, and recently, I mean, the last year or so, he's been in the news a lot for Tenet, which um, I will admit I have yeah. not seen yet, so I can't well, uh, I that, can't say a whole lot. So. Okay. So I can't say a whole lot of that, but I've seen a lot of Nolan's films. Um, yeah. And going all the way back to uh, Memento, which is the first Christopher Nolan film that I saw. Um, and that one is interesting because of the way it plays with time and that it tells the story inside out, I guess would be the way to describe it. The way that okay. movie works, Memento is told from the point of view of a guy and every scene that you see, the next scene is what happened right before that. Oh, so it's like a story in reverse almost. Yeah, yeah. So he was okay. already messing around with time and sort of, you know, linear thoughts at that and point. And this that, movie that does a lot. That explains Interstellar. Yeah. Yes, well, Interstellar. It also explains, explains Interstellar a lot. <laughs> yeah, yes it does. Um, and this is another one that does because this movie jumps around in time a lot. And at yeah. first, 
And I'm curious how 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 that seemed to you with your first viewing of it. Did did it take a little bit to kind of wrap your head around like, oh wait, this happened before the last thing? And well, I mean, given what the the opening scene is, is the it's the courthouse, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah. So yeah. So knowing, okay, well, they're in the courthouse. Obviously, something happened before that. Right. Because they're not talking murder charge. And so obviously something had to happen before then the question then was, okay, well, what was it? And then when they first went back to start telling that story, mm-hmm. like I immediately I could make a very good distinction of what was, I guess you could say past and what was present. Okay. Yeah, um, so there's... it wasn't that hard, but it was definitely sort of jolting when, okay, well, you're now in the courtroom, you're now in the story, your courtroom story. It's, it, yeah. It got a little bit jarring. Yeah, it does, because bo- it bounces around a lot. You've got present day, which is anything involving the court or when they visit Borden in prison. Prison. You've got when they first. And then later at the end. Yep. Yep. You've got when they, they first meet when they're working for the other magician. And then it like bounce because it bounces back and forth a lot, even sort of uh, within the the time frame that it is a few years. Like you might see a scene that takes place when before Angier goes back to the U.S., but then here's a scene that's taking place in the U.S. Like it, right. it just it it hops around on you all the time. So you right. It well, gets, and it's those it's those jolts uh, around in time within that those story segments. Yep. That got confusing. That that's really the only place that I really got confused. Um and it it took me a little bit to sort of gather, okay, well, this is how the actual even the order, you know, it's they're showing A B C D, it's really B D C A. Yeah. You know, for chronological order. So it's like, well, okay, having to wrap your head around that while you're watching the movie for the first time and on top of having the entire thing being in very incredibly dense. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah there's a, you, there's you a lot of, going you on. You kind of need it. You kind of need it. You kind of almost have to do two watches for everything to make sense. Yeah. I would say that's not, uh, that's not inaccurate because when you watch it subsequently, when you watch it two, three, four more times, like I've done you, even on that second viewing, you now pick up on things that you didn't see the first time through. You're like, oh, okay. There's yeah. there's them tipping their hand a little bit, but it's it's done in such a way that there's no way you you wouldn't look at it that way the first time through. And it makes yes. sense given the subject matter is stage magicians, right? So yeah, they're I mean, playing. The bouncing around does the bouncing around does play into oh hey, this is a movie about magician. It it does play into that. Yeah. Oh, so it does totally. make sense. Yeah, and I I like so I like Christopher Nolan for the most part, and he wrote he wrote and directed this. Now this is based off of a book. Um, and yes, the, I did see that. I did see that it was based off. Of, and I'm um, curious to read the book because it, apparently it's similar, but it does go in a few different directions. It's got the same major players. It's got Borden. It's got Angier. Yeah. It's got you know the rivalry between them, and they're both magicians, and Nikola Tesla, and building the machine, and all that. But it it it's even a little more out there than this movie ends up being. Cause this, this stays fairly grounded in sort of a, 
more or less in reality kind of until about the third act, right? Once once Angier gets his machine from Nikola Tesla, yeah. that's that, when we that's start when to sort of things sort of get a little more interesting. We'll just <laughs> yeah. And in the interest of not trying not to spoil too much, the third act was very much the the prestige of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, it, it really was. <clears throat> and what I really enjoy about the way this is structured is it's really interesting to me to see somebody take uh, a story and not tell it in a linear fashion, but it's still telling a cohesive story. Yes. Because um, yes. still non- tells a very cohesive story. Sorry. Yeah, like non-linear stories, okay, that's that's not anything new. I mean, Tarantino's yeah. entire career has done non-linear storytelling, right? right. He, but right. but what's interesting about typically when you have non-linear storytelling, it's you get you get all of a story and then we go back and we get another story and we see where they cross. And this is like here's here's A and here's B and you're you're kind of like just weaving in and out. Yeah, exactly. You're like Charlie in uh, in It's Always Sunny with your wall of all the red strings, and you're trying to connect all the dots. And it's like yeah. this one went here, and then it went up here, and around this, and through. So you know, and and it's yeah. but it's and yes, yeah, so watch it a second time. You're gonna notice so much more, and you're gonna even see, you're, there's gonna be a quite a few moments where you're like, oh, those sneaky bastards! They told us, like they gave it away, but because you don't want to have it given away. Right. You don't right. see it, it that way. The last the last was the last quote from Cutter, the about not wanting to see like you look but you're not really looking because you don't want it, the magic ruined, so to yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that that's very much true for the a first watch of this movie. And I'm sure subsequent watches will be the same. It's it's you're looking but you're not always looking hard because you don't want the mystique to go Mm -hmm. away yeah very much now i had a similar conversation a few weeks ago when i covered um the usual suspects in the same the same kind of right because that movie does the same thing when you watch it the second time you're like Mm -hmm. oh now i see all the times where they're giving stuff away but you don't notice it that first time and the prestige is just another uh, another uh case of just doing that expertly um and and, i mean Interstellar did that too. I mean, it mm-hmm. did also did bits and pieces of that too. Uh, it, that's I have noticed with a lot of the movies I've seen from Nolan that are more cerebral, this one included, that seems to be a trademark of his of nothing makes sense until the end, and then you have to go back and rewatch it to actually enjoy it completely. Yeah, he, he seems to like to do that. Even the his Batman stuff, which is doesn't yeah. go quite as far in that direction, still has a lot of that to it. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's Batman. You wouldn't expect that from from that kind of material, but yet here he goes and does it. It's right. like... Yeah, that's a good point. You, yeah, it's, it's sort of like handing somebody a what looks like a cast iron skillet and tell them, no, no, this is a regular nonstick uh, uh, skillet. It's like... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So casting wise, this movie has an incredible cast, uh, yeah. and especially given when it came out. So this movie came out in two thousand six. So this yeah. was this was Christian Bale just after Batman G- Begins, right? Hugh Jackman right around X Men too, right? Uh, X Men would have been right around X Men. I think three. 
was Three. 2006, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, but let's you start Scarlett with Scarlett Johansson. Yep, Scarlett Johansson, I mean, like, Michael Caine. You know, you've got Mo- David Bowie. I mean, most of the cast, it's like, well, they could easily just stand on their own. You know, it's it's you didn't. This is like, yeah, stuffing. And this is sort of like stuffing a TV show full of of players who on their own could carry the show by themselves. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because so Nolan had worked with Bale on Batman Begins yeah. and he didn't approach him about doing this movie, but Christian Bale found out about it, however, and, and came to him and said, Hey, I want to do this movie. And Nolan has since said, I can't believe I ever didn't think about him in this cause he's perfect in it. And what I, so Christian Bale is very much a method actor, which, you know, he's going to get into his character. Yeah. He's going to stay that way the whole time. I can't imagine a method actor trying to do this portrayal of this character yeah. of Alfred Borden because the, the more times I watch this, the better his performance is because he has to play two different versions of the same person constantly. Person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like having, I mean, I'm sure a... a method after trying to portray uh Borden it like pretty much looks schizophrenic or you know or multi-personality disorder yeah at least mildly like it, it's it's insane yeah. and the more and when you watch it again you'll appreciate you appreciate his performance even more because now you start to you start to watch scenes and try to figure out okay which one is this because in, right. the, in the book they go into more depth about um the two characters because it was it was Albert and Frederick Borden. So they created the person of Alfred Borden. Um, uh, okay, that makes more sense. But yeah. I mean, like, even like either the the fact of okay of what the secret was between behind, you know, the teleporting their teleporting uh, man trick. Mm-hmm. I mean, already from the from the very beginning, you kind of had an idea of what it probably could be, even though in the movie it gets dismissed hand as being too simple right and that's that's really what makes it work right it's a simple yeah. illusion he knows it's a simple illusion but when you watch it again and you realize that whatever it is like 20 something minutes into the movie they're already giving away that he's living a double life because of how quickly he notices the old um chinese um uh, yeah. magician and he's like yeah. that's the trick he's always in character and so now when you watch it a second time, you're like, oh, well, of course he would recognize that because he know he he kind yeah. of understands that so much better. What's um, the phrase? A liar, only a liar recognizes a liar or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, to, it's like that. And it's just it, like the de- the dedication that the, the character has to go through to be what he is and then the dedication that the actor has to go through to try and have those subtle differences. So he's got to play a scene. like, okay, which one am I now? Am I Freddie or am I Alfred? Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, that's going to completely change how he interacts with people. And then you, you catch uh, the moments like where his wife says, you know, oh, you don't love me today. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you pick up and like, yeah, not I mean, the same person. So, I mean, I, and it's funny because the, the, the twin thing wasn't, it didn't catch me off guard, even with the hinting, even like without the hinting, mm-hmm. you know, like it still didn't take me off guard because I've known enough twins who look exactly alike and have oh, yeah. almost the exact same personalities, just with very, very subtle differences mm-hmm. um, that 
it wasn't a huge shocker. It was almost, in some ways, it was almost anticlimactic in, in that respect. Well, and what's what's interesting about that is it's really like an actual magic trick. Yes. That's oh, the yeah. brilliance of it is it's, it, you get this moment of like, oh, that's how he did it. Well, that's that's silly. That's simple. That makes so much sense. But throughout the rest of the movie, you're net like you're just being led and away from that constantly. Of no, it can't be that. Yeah. That's too easy. That's too simple. Yeah. That's what got Angier that's in the first place. Is he didn't want place. to believe that it was just a, a double. Yeah. So. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean Christian yeah. Bale, and you know they did a great job with the makeup too on uh, mm-hmm. Fallon. So again, yeah. if you watch it another time you'll notice that they very rarely focus on Fallon's face very much. They cut away a lot and quickly. So you don't catch his eyes cause that's what gives him away. Um, but it, it's still really, really well done. Um, and I just, I, I really enjoyed, uh, Bale's performance. I thought he just killed it in this. Yeah. He did a very, very good job. And you know he, he spends most of the movie as the quote unquote antagonist, right? He's the guy that, yeah, that Angier is trying to. He's not really exactly, yeah. Except he's actually more the protagonist who just got entirely screwed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we spend most of the movie following uh, Angier, played by Hugh Jackman, who also right. does a phenomenal job. But we're yes, meant we're meant to think of him as the protagonist for two yes. thirds to three quarters of the movie. Yes. And he does such a good job of portraying an obsessed magician. Like this guy is just all he wants is to be the best magician possible and beat Borden. He just wants to be better than Borden. Yeah. And not so much caring about winning, just beating Borden. And, and interestingly, he also sort of leads almost a double life where because we learned yeah. early on that he's changed well, his his name, right? To, right? to not bring shame on his family. And right. um so but he also adopted an American accent. Oh, Angier did. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so he not only changes his name and, and doesn't go by his yeah. Caldlow name, but he drops his yeah. accent and goes with an American accent. Um so that to me is kind of interesting in that you've got a character like Angier who's, who's changing his background to hide where he comes from because he's aristocratic and thinks that he's having a rough go of things, you know, and he, that he knows what sacrifice is and all this. Meanwhile, you've got somebody who's coming from a poor upbringing who's sort of hiding their background in order to commit to his act. Yeah. And is also going through an immense amount of self-sacrifice. Right. Well, and, and it's funny too because even even him being of nobility really wasn't that shocking because, like you said, he said he already says he changed his name. Yeah. He um, funded the machine from Tesla for crying out loud. Yeah, and that's where I sort that, of. That, yeah, that's that was the big tell. That was the big oh mm-hmm. aha. There's something else here. Right. And that's what I mean by he's sort of playing a double life in that he's changed right. his name and he's still going by that name, but he has all his money, he has all his status. Yeah. Borden yeah. literally has to live two half lives. 
He has to live yeah. a half-life as, as Alfred Borden and as Fallon in order to maintain what he's built. So much so that he doesn't even ever, ever tell his wife. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that, that explains, and like, even between Fallon's and his wife, or his lover, and then um, Alfred and his wife, I mean, it, yeah. it, that, like, when you go back and, like, when I go back and well, watch it, which I'm sure I'll inevitably do, like, it, that alone explains, like, how much, like, almost all of those interactions. Mm-hmm. Well, and then um, when you think about it too, like Borden could have gotten himself out of prison uh, or or gotten away with a lot more had he revealed his secret to someone at some point. Yes, yes. And he, absolutely. but he was, but he was so focused on on staying in that character that he never did up until the like right up to getting hanged for a murder. Yes, like I mean. <clears throat> There's commitment, yeah. and then there's commitment, and then there's what Borden did That's, in this movie, which is... Yeah, which is a little bit too... <laughs> a little bit, just a touch. Um, yeah, but, I mean, both both Bale and uh, Jackman really nail it. Jackman just does this great job of, again, like you said, he's our, quote-unquote, protagonist for three-quarters of the movie, and we're following right. him, and he's, he's unraveling the secrets. And then... Right we find out that, well, he is willing to get his hands dirty. He's actually willing to go even further, further. than, than we thought that he should. So, and then the results of the machine and then plus, uh, him ignoring the warning from Tesla about obsession and, mm-hmm. you know, that between, I mean, they're both, both Borden and Angier are very, very guilty of, of being too obsessed. Absolutely. You know, like, and we get, like our first kind of inclination of that is when he sends Scarlett Johansson when he says, Hey, you need yes. to go work for Borden. Yes. Because yes. you know, that's just, I mean, let's face it. It's kind of a dick move, right? Like just, just a lot. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and Scarlett Johansson is uh, Olivia. She, she, my only complaint with her character was, the fact that she falls in love with both of them so quickly. Yeah. Or what yeah, feels little, like quickly. Yeah. And I, I'm sure if we had a better idea of the time frame from start to finish of the movie, I mean, it probably wouldn't feel as quick. Yeah. But you, without the subtitles at the bottom, you really don't have any idea of passage of time. Right. It is difficult to to feel how long between, you know... How yeah. long was it from when she first started working for Angier to he gets his, um, he decides to send her to, yeah. you know, so we don't know that period of time. Then we don't know how long she's been working for Borden before Angier gets the, um, gets the, the notebook from her and all that. So with, without having the context of how much time is passing, it just felt like she was too quickly falling in love with these different men. Right, um, right. But out, well, but outside I mean, of that, like she's really good. Right. Her, her accent. I mean, even, yeah. Uh, but even <laughs> even even the makes the time he spent in Colorado Springs with Tesla look like a very short amount of time. And I'm sure that was probably months, if not years. Yeah, I think he was supposed to have been there for two years. I think is yeah. what 
Is so, what they end up I saying. mean, and they shorten two years down to what? 30 minutes and a few seconds. Yeah. Something like that. So and it's like, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure the entire course of the movie probably took course over a couple decades at least, but still it, it felt very short given it's only what? Two hours. Uh, yeah, just, just a shade over two hours. And what's so, yeah. So I mentioned Scarlett's accent, her English accent wavers a little bit here and there. It's not perfect. Um, but she's, she's, she's trying and her character is interesting because her character really isn't, she is not into the magic part of it so much as she is the performance. Yeah. She's very good at that. That's. Um, and so she ends up being, you know, she's a good addition to Angier, who is very performance based. And then when she goes to Borden, she makes him that much better because she, she brings out all the parts that he needs to. Yeah. So I just, I just wish that, you know, they would have given her more reason. Like we didn't. So she falls in love with Borden, and you know, as we find out, it was with the one twin and not the other one. Right. But with the way the movie's structured, it you don't get like you don't get the whole backstory of that. It's just sort of like, oh, now she's you know in an affair with yeah. Borden. Okay. But, um, and then Michael Caine is Cutter. Michael Caine is always yeah. win. Like I, he's, he's I, great. I I I I'll be honest. I love him. I love him <laughs> very very much. He's a wonderful wonderful actor. Um, I mean, I love him as Alfred. I loved him as Cutter. You know, mm-hmm. I loved him as Scrooge. You know, that, oh, that's yeah. always a win for me. And that's him being in the Muppet Christmas Carol. That is a movie I will really admit to watching, or at least trying to watch. Try to watch every year at Christmas time. I do every year. Yeah, it's one. Uh, of, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Period. It. Yeah. Um. And it has nothing to do with the the cast and that, or, you know, the fact that it's Muppets, it's just, they do a really good job. They do. No, I'm with you. Um, uh, But yeah, it took me a little while to realize that Alfred and Cutter are, is the same guy who played Scrooge (laughs) 20 some odd years prior, because the differences are so large between then and now. And it's like, Oh yeah. 20 years is a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And Cutter, the way he plays Cutter is interesting because Cutter ends up being sort of the magician giving the trick. He's he's doing, he's almost the magician of the movie because he's there to present the men. He he yes. he he introduces <clears throat> us as an audience to Borden and Angier. He is, yes, he does. He is there at the turn to get Borden put in jail. And he's there at the end for the prestige to bring him back. They, he makes him disappear and he brings him back. So it's kind of a, a cool framing the way that they did that. And the scene where he is at Lord Caldwell's estate and Hugh Jackman comes back and he sees him for the first time since the death yeah. was so well done because Michael Caine just does this wonderful job of being absolutely crushed but also elated like he's he's happy that this person that he knows isn't dead but then he realizes who who angier has yeah well he got played and who angier has become 
and it yeah. it he you know the the line where he says um I came here to beg called low something but I won't beg for uh to you for anything and just basically walks out on him like that that's a powerful line and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good line. Um I mean yeah he does a very good job and and he also did a very I, I this seems to stem back all the way through Alfred and all the way through to Scrooge his role as Scrooge where he's able to take one or just a few handful of words and turn them into so much more just from like the way he plays with his face, the way he plays mm-hmm. with his voice, the way he uses every bit of himself to convey all of the underlying tones and messages that needs to be sent, but can't be written down for whatever reason, you know, or, or isn't written down. Yeah. Yeah, and and he did a. I think he does it the best in this and in Batman Begins. My only con, my only complaint about him in the later two Batman movies was he gets a little too expositiony, where he's yeah. like he his his speeches become a little too long winded, and yeah. Oh, uh, Amy in the chat brings up peak Michael Caine is the original Italian job. He is amazing in the original Italian job. I will say that. Um, but that's a much much younger Michael Caine. Um, yeah. He's not the mentory style that he is now, but I can't argue with that. Uh, but he just he he brings a, a level uh, a gravitas to every role that he's in, especially as he's aged and he's become that mentor type of character. Um, yeah, that is just it's it's great and it, it fits this movie so well. Um because he does a, a perfect job of balancing. He balances out the like, well, I'm going to give you the sage advice. And then, uh, you know, I'm also going to be trying to help you um, in yeah. like, in, in other ways. He's just, he, I, I love him in this movie. This is this and Scrooge are probably two of my favorite Michael Caine characters. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This and yes, definitely <laughs> I, agree. I will defend the Muppet Christmas Carol until my dying breath. Oh, oh, same here. Are you kidding? Like, granted, the the Christmas of future yet to come used to scare the ever living daylights daylights mm-hmm. out of me oh, as yeah. a kid. But as a, but that's the role of the the future Christmas. Right. Most. That's yep. the point. Absolutely. That's the. I'm going to go ahead and scare you so that you 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 know go straight, <laughs> as it were. Yep. Um. So David Bowie, we mentioned as Nikola Tesla uh, and originally good job with that. Yeah. So Nolan actually came, Nolan uh, offered the role to Bowie and Bowie was like, nah, I don't, I don't think I want to do it. And so Christopher Nolan actually flew out to New York and met with him and tried to convince him (laughs) and, and did obviously. And, and Bowie is so good in this because Tesla in this movie is sort of a, uh, is, is this larger than life figure. So you need somebody like, and David Bowie has this, he has this presence about him where he's like, he's so subdued. He's so, he's not overbearing and yet he's the most commanding presence in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. He has that, that stage presence. I mean, do you have a scene where it's Hugh Jackman, David Bowie, and Andy Serkis 
together three those three guys and like you're just compelled you're compelled to watch david bowie the whole time david bowie yeah (laughs) it's like i no, and i felt and i'm looking back i realized that i did exactly that i was not paying attention to hugh jackman or any circus at all it was david bowie i was had my eyes on the entire time yep and he just he's not in the movie a lot he has a very it's a very small role but it's a memorable one like you just remember him yeah well and and you know, and, and Tuss is also in those, like, the more I learn about, you know, Tesla's little war with Edison, it's like, oh, yeah, I really, the more and more I find out, mm-hmm. the more and more I wish that Tesla had won and then Edison oh, yeah. had basically, like, gone the way of the dodo. Because, yeah. I mean, you see the field of light bulbs. I mean, that that's why. <laughs> that, that's why. And then think about this. So there's <clears> been a there's been a ton of stuff, you know, internet-wise uh, in the last, I would say five to eight years around Tesla and Edison and all of that. This movie yeah. is 15 years old this year. Yeah. So they were already 15 yeah. years ago, you know, knocking on that door. I remember that, uh, all of that. And like, it, it made me want to back in 2006, kind of look up some of that and look up Tesla versus Edison at that point. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny too, because like a lot of the stuff that we're doing now, it's like, Tesla invented 150 odd years ago. Why are we reinventing the wheel? Yeah. Why did we pick, you know, the businessman over the genius? It's like. Marketing. Yeah. Well, what, that. And what I liked too was the way he's portrayed as a character in this movie and in this story. In this world, there's magicians, but there's actual magic. Right. Which we sort of get revealed to us. And I love that idea where there's the line that Michael Caine has where he's like, this wasn't, this machine wasn't built by a magician. This was built by a wizard. Yes. (laughs) They they refer to him as a wizard a couple of times and like real magic. When, when he, when, when Angier shows it off to that guy and the guy's like, oh, oh, real magic. I haven't seen that in a long time. Like there's just something, there's a cool mystique about that. Um, that I really, I really liked and how he tells him, you know, you have to, you almost, it's real magic and you have to hide that fact or pe- so make people not believe doubt. it's real, like it's doubt real. it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, that, that really was really cool to me and just, I mean, Bowie, Bowie and anything, uh, I've always enjoyed seeing him in stuff, you know, in the small Bowie's roles got, that he takes. Bowie's, yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't always have to have the big roles. It's just these small little pieces where it's like, oh, well, the movie just got that much better. Yep. I mean, it's just, I mean, can you imagine like the labyrinth without him? No, not at all. Yeah. I, I so, can't imagine, I honestly can't imagine this movie with anyone else's Tesla because I no. think it's not going, you're not going to remember who's playing Nikola Tesla in this, but Bowie, right. That just reserved, quiet nature that he's got. Obviously, the eyes are striking. That's always going to get you. Um, but you know, it, he's great. And then, and then to have have him so reserved and so laid back, and playing opposite him is Andy Circus as Ali, who's like almost the loud con man. He's very, he's very boisterous. Yeah. Andy Circus is one of my favorite actors. Period. Yeah. And you know, I. So I was a gigantic Lord of the Rings nerd prior to the movies coming out. And then the movies came out. And of course, I just absorbed everything that I could about it. And yeah. so this movie comes out a couple years later. 
and I see I get to see Andy Serkis actually on screen as himself instead of having to do motion capture. And I thought it was great. Like I was I was so excited to see him just get to act. And it's another one of those where it's a small role, but it's memorable. Like just his the the way he gets introduced coming out of the the little generator room all upset because somebody touched his electric fence and yeah. then and then the way he flips it around to get almost this like childlike giddiness about seeing the great Danton. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I just, oh, Andy Serkis is somebody that literally you can put him in anything. I'm going to watch the movie and the movie might be horrible, but I'm still going to watch it because he's in it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny cause you say, cause you mentioned Lord of the Rings is I, I had completely forgotten that he was in that. <laughs> but like you said, he was doing a lot of emotion capture for that movie. Mm-hmm. Which you know, okay, so yeah, you're not going to remember him in that. Yeah, well, and that's how he got started. I mean, if you look at with Gollum um, in King Kong, he got to play. You know, he was the motion capture for Kong in um, the, all the Planet of the Apes movies and all the work that he did in those. Um, yeah. So his his motion capture work is just unparalleled. And then when right. you get to see him on screen he just hams it up and he has a great time with whatever role he's playing. Oh yeah. You could tell that he had enjoyed his role in this too. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was very clear. He did. I did read a a couple of quotes from him saying that working with um, David Bowie was just a ton of fun because of all the things we were saying. Like he's just, just this effortlessly cool guy who was just great to work with. So, I I mean, I'm sure just meeting him would be a blast too. So I mean, for, for you and I, so it's like, not that unreasonable to think, oh, hey, working with David Bowie, I just ticked off an item on my bucket list. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, and then a couple of small roles I just want to mention because uh, me being me, I have to. It's it's just what I do. Um, so Daniel Davis played the judge. And he yes. is somebody that I always remember from, he had a very small role in The Hunt for Red October. And he also was on a few episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation as Moriarty. And oh, that's right. He was Moriarty. He right. has such a great voice. His voice is just like like buttery smooth. And he does an yeah. incredible English accent for being born in Arkansas. So I had to mention him. Um, and then you also and have... His, his role in Red October, he was the captain of the U.S. sub, right? That delivered him to that delivered Ryan to. He was on one of the boats. He he has a very small okay. part, um, only uh, like one or two scenes, but it's one that okay. I remember because it it had to deal with when they were explaining how uh, the character Jack Ryan spent time in traction and all of that. Because basically, he's like, I don't like him wearing the uniform if he's not a soldier or a sailor. And the the captain of the boat's like, well, if you knew the whole story, it'd make more sense to you. Um, yeah. But then, so you got him. Roger Reese plays Owens, the solicitor. Oh, oh, I love Roger Reese. Roger Reese is what, so good. Uh, one of my honestly, one first time I got to see him act was he plays a British lord in the West Wing. Oh, okay. By the yeah, name yeah. of John Marbury. So. He and, and this character is very much a rich play, playboy drunkard. Okay. And he plays that role well. <laughs> so 
I, I, I just even from that, I, I've learned that Reese does a did a very good job with a lot, if most, if not all of the roles that he was given. Even though I haven't seen most of them, and I know that he got his start his start as I think it was part of the Royal Shakespeare Company mm-hmm. doing actual Shakespeare plays. Yep. Yeah, he's a very accomplished so, actor. Uh, he's probably most most known for Robin Hood Men in Tights, though. Yes. As the sheriff of yes. not of the sheriff, he like did a very very good job. He's so good. I in love that. him. That he plays it so straight while all this chaos just breaks around him. It's, mm-hmm. it's makes it that much more funnier that he's sitting there playing the straight guy in this group of comedians. Yes. So that was that was fun to see him. Um, uh, the hotel manager is played by Ron Perkins, and I only bring him up because one of my uh, one of the better movies I've seen and one of my favorite movies is um, Ronin with Robert De Niro, and okay. Ron Perkins. Ron Perkins has a role with slightly less screen time in that movie than he does in this one, but I always remember it because I've watched that movie so many times. So he was somebody that I saw. But Ricky Jay is um, plays the stage magician that Angier and Borden start working for, Milton. Okay. And that guy is an actual. He was an actual uh, magician. magician. He was he was a yeah. close up world class magician. The funny thing is, is he wasn't a stage magician in real life. Like he was a card card mechanic. And he did all sorts of close up magic. He didn't do like the yeah. big theatrical stage stuff. So, but he he also served as a technical advisor for this and helped. Um, Hugh Jackman yeah. and Christian Bale learn a few tricks. Like he would, he would, him and another guy would teach them just enough to be able to do the scenes that they needed to do. Uh, yeah. But Ricky Jay is great. I, I, he's one of those where he pops up in something. And it's like I want more. I want like I always want Ricky Jay to be in stuff more. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is. He's just got a unique look to him. Yeah, he does. He really does have a unique look. So yeah, I mean, it's, there's the cast in this is just great. I didn't even mention um, Rebecca Hall as Sarah, uh, right? And she has a tough role in so much as just like some of the other characters, she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but she has so much to do in that Dude. time on screen. Yeah, which I mean, in between picking, I mean, which would you rather have though, more screen time but less to do, or? Or would you rather have less screen time and a lot more to do? Right. No, it, they. what this movie does is it maximizes the characters. Like the amount of time that they're on screen, you get so much out of them. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, it, which also makes for a very, very dense movie. But yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, you, you're having to pay attention to the entire screen, to every detail, close and far, as opposed to just to whatever the focus of the camera has. Exactly. Yeah, this is not a turn your brain off and just sit back and relax movie. You you really have to pay attention to this one or it's well, just going to yeah. feel like you're trying to it's going to feel like you're watching a bowl of porridge otherwise. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, you so know, dense. and Interstellar was the same way too. You sort of had to really pay attention to everything and not just whatever the camera was happening to be focused on. Mhm. And that's Nolan. I mean, that's that's yeah, Nolan's that's style of filmmaking. Nolan. That's that's Nolan. So it's it's wasn't unexpected coming into this. It's just there was so much going on, and this was my first time. It's like, well, I can't pay attention to everything. I'll just focus on whatever the camera's focusing on. And it's like, well, okay, I just missed half the tricks. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, a couple of neat little uh, trivia bits, though. So the character, the the older um, uh, Chinese magician that they had, that they go and see, and he does the the fishbowl trick and all of that. It's actually yeah. based on a real person. Really. Um, according to trivia that I have read, Chung Ling Su was a stage character created by William Ellsworth Robinson, a white man who disguised himself as a Chinese man to cash in on audiences' enthusiasm for the exotic. Robinson lived as Chung, never breaking character while in public. He died in March of 1918 when he was doing a bullet catch trick that went wrong. He said, my God, I've been shot. They were his last words, and it was the first English he had spoken on stage in 19 years. So if that story's, if that story's true, that's a crazy amount of dedication to your craft. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot, that is a lot of time. So I, I, I just thought that was interesting that they took something that, you know, a real thing from the time period, from that late 1800s, turn of the century time period, and incorporated it into this little side character. Uh, and that moment in the movie is great because when you're watching it and you see, you see Angier and Borden sitting there and you've got Angier is like, I don't know what's happening on stage right now. I can't figure this out. And Borden's just like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's going on. And you you can see their like their brains turning and the gears going. And then when they're standing outside, he's like, "No, this is the trick right here. It's not what he was doing on stage. It's this part of it. This is the the magic." And yeah. so for me, that was that's just such a cool part of the storytelling. In in that that kind of shorthand, like you don't have to explain everything and immediately. And when you watch it again, you'll pick up on that because you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, here's some more shorthand." Like. Now I know yeah. that much more about these characters. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it's a it's not a simple movie to watch, but if you go into it with the right mindset, which is, um, you know, I'm I'm going to have to pay attention to this movie and and know that it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I take it you liked oh, the yeah. movie. Oh yeah, very much so. Uh, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. To be okay. honest, but then, um, I but then I could say that about both uh, was the both the first two Batman movies and then um, Interstellar as well. You know, both all turned out to enjoy a lot more than I thought I would. Okay, so if it, you it was it was pleasant. It was a pleasant surprise. Also, somewhat of an expected surprise, but still, <laughs> it wasn't one nonetheless. Well, what I liked, what was interesting is I, I took some notes while I was watching it. Um, you kind of pick up on Angier being a real vengeful person early on with the way that yeah. he reacts to his wife going. But what yes. we get is at about an hour and 23 minutes is when we get that twist. That first twist happens where Borden is talking to Angier through the diary and telling him, you know, Yes, yeah. I gave you the diary. I gave, you know, I didn't give away all my tricks, right? So that's at an hour and 23 minutes. Yeah. Eight, eight minutes later, the movie does the second twist, which is Angier doing the same thing to Borden while he's sitting in his jail cell, telling him, you're sitting in your jail cell, ready to be hanged for my murder. So there was eight minutes between those two, which... And then yeah. you go another probably 25 minutes until the, the last, I think it was 27 minutes is what I had, until you get the reveal that, oh, okay, yeah. Borden, Borden is twins. So, yeah. 
Um, I just and then it, it's not that long after that that you get the other reveal at the end, towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Then you find it's out like, like <laughs> this movie like, just layers and upon layers. It's onion layers it, of reveals. I was gonna say it's like an onion layer. It's like it's like an onion. It's like okay, well, how many layers does this thing have? How how <laughs> deep do I? How much underneath the underneath do I have to keep looking for? It's yeah, because like, every time, every time you think, okay, that's the reveal of the movie, then they reveal something else. You're like, okay, right, maybe that's right. it. Now. And so I can, I, I have talked to people that have been like, eh, it was just too much. It was too dense. I, I got tired after a while, and I sort of get that, right? A- after a couple of reveals, it's like, well, how much more can you, can you reveal? The thing that I liked about it was none of these twists feel unearned. Right. No. The no. movie. I mean, okay. Yeah. I right, mean, off the, I mean, right off the back, it's a movie about magicians. Of course, you're going to have all of these. Mm-hmm. Just right off the back. Prestige. Magicians. Yes. You're going to have a lot of layers. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so Phelan in the chat's asking if this is like, now you see me. Um, I would say similar DNA, but a uh, very different style of telling the story. Uh, this actually came out the same year as another movie about magicians at the turn of the 20th century um, called The Illusionist. So the same year. So it's sort of the um, uh, 2006 the had The Illusionist and The Prestige. And the year of the magician. Yeah. It, 98 had the same thing with Armageddon and Deep Impact. It was two movies right. that came out in the same year about giant meteors hitting the earth. Right. Um, but they're very right. different. And apparently this is... You know, the, the Illusionist is not the same movie as The Prestige. They just both happen to come out the same year and have a, a very similar kind of plot structure. So, yeah. um, this well, was... I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, this was um, Christopher Nolan working with Wally Pfister as his um, cinematographer again. Yeah. And one of the things I noticed with this movie is the color palette. It's very brown. As I say, it's very earthy, very grim, very like there's not there's not a lot of color pop. Even when somebody's wearing something with color in it, uh, it's very muted. Yeah, everything is muted. You really notice it in the funeral scene for Angier's wife, in that um, mausoleum that they're in. Is it's this white stone, and everybody's wearing black. It almost looks like it's shot black and white. Like it's that all the colors are that subdued and that muted, but I just oh, noticed it. Yeah, I noticed it throughout the whole movie that it's a very muted color scheme. And and Nolan, I mean, he doesn't always do that. Now, Memento is a film of his that was shot black and white, part of it. Um, but it, I mean, it, you're also talking like turn of the century too for this movie, and that I mean, to me alone, I mean, yeah, you had some bright palettes then but it still is a lot of muted palettes it feels like if it doesn't feel oh, yeah. like we didn't really start getting to the more vibrant palettes until after world war ii sure for, for sure but even like the birds i noticed all the the birds that they used would be very monochromatic and they didn't have a lot of um, like exotic yeah, looking or, or bright <clears throat> colored birds so i just i found it interesting now i like wally fister and I like the way that he shoots stuff and the way that he color colors everything, him and Nolan. So I just yeah. thought it was interesting to, to think about with this. And um, I'm sure everything, even the birds, was a very conscious choice on everybody's part, too. Oh, just 100%. for the, the palette. It's like, well, 
you know, it's sort of a grim movie. So yeah, we kind of need a bit more of a muted color palette. So, you know. Yeah. Um, so interestingly this, so, okay. I mentioned that it was based on a novel called the prestige and originally, uh, Sam Mendez actually wanted to direct this movie after he did American beauty. So he had, he had done American beauty in 99. He wanted to do this and he apparently was going to, and then somehow either Nolan heard about it or, but what, what he had done was he had just finished memento. And he kind of made a, a pitch to, to direct it. And the production company decided that they wanted to go with the more up-and-coming director than the more established one of Sam Mendes. And so they went with Nolan. And quite honestly, um, I mean, Nolan, he started work on this prior to Batman Begins. Because he wrote, him and his brother wrote the script for this. Yeah, I did see that both of their names was, were attached to the script. So, so, yeah, no, that would make sense if they were working on this from before Batman. Because mm-hmm. really, Bat, like, Memento was his big break in terms of, like, film, you know, film buffs and Hollywood. But it was, it was after Memento he did Insomniac and then Batman Begins. And Batman Begins is what put him on the map and made him this bankable director. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now he's, you know, doing stuff like Tenant. And in some, sometimes I get a little annoyed with Nolan sort of, I don't know, thinking too highly of himself. But he's also really good at what he does. So, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I, who am I to say? Yeah. And, you know, one other thing I did want to talk about with the movie is the themes of obsession in it. And I don't want to go super deep into it, but the, that's that's kind of the overriding theme of this whole movie is this obsession that these two men have at being the best, but not only being yeah. the best, being better than the other one. And that's what leads, it leads Angier to do what he does. It leads Borden to eventually die. I mean. Yeah. And, and I, I think if there was any one big takeaway from this movie, like just on watching it once, it's obsession is a very very dangerous thing it really is like it like that's the one big takeaway from this movie is is tesla's warning of don't become obsessed you will regret it mm-hmm. yeah basically uh it's it's very much a warning for that you know you got michael kane saying obsession is a young man's game tesla's like just yeah. forget about this just don't do it anymore yeah. it's just going to bring you pain the line tesla has for me like one of my favorite moments is, have you considered the cost of this machine? No, no, no. Money doesn't matter. I don't care. He yeah. wasn't talking about money. Yeah. He's like, not the price. Have you considered the cost? the cost? And I love that. Um, it, yeah. And I think, I think cause I granted, I was only sort of half paying attention around that point, but it still did hit the brain. And so it did still hit a note of that. So mm-hmm. when the the prestige with the machine comes about, like it wasn't that shocking. Like they're like even just yeah, just I, like because that was sort of a tell in of itself of oh hey, it was just a shorthand note of, of oh hey, pay attention to this thing. This thing is not what you think this is. Yeah, but I, there I is think. Something more here. Yeah, and I, I don't think that that 
that reveal was supposed to be as shocking. Although, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I think the reveals that were supposed to really surprise you, the first two that I mentioned, um, with Borden talking to Angier and then Angier turning around and doing the same thing to Borden, um, yeah. were supposed to really catch you off guard. And then the reveal of the twin at the end, I think, was supposed to. Now, obviously, the more times you see it, 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 it loses some of that impact. I, I mean, and, and if you're, I guess if you're still paying attention, and I mean, because I mean, going in, this is a Christopher Nolan film, so I mean, honestly, okay, you're going to have to pay attention to as much as you can, right? Which also explained why I kept hitting the pause and play button <laughs> a lot during this movie. Yeah, I can um, see that. Because uh, I did, I I paused it probably a good half dozen times just to stop and just sort of digest what I had seen. But, uh, so because of that, because of the way I, I watched the movie with this pausing, the twin thing wasn't, I don't think the shock that it was supposed to be. It could be. It's also, I mean, uh, again, they, they hint at it throughout the entirety uh, of the movie. So if yeah, you really, if you are analyzing and if you are paying attention to it, you're sort of told early on that that could happen. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I was watching the prestige, this movie, you know, bits and pieces at a time. And, and I'm not talking like, Oh, over the course of like an afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like, oh, look, I think I spent like a week watching this. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think I like a, real, a couple of weeks, but like, you know, really paying attention. I, I blame the fact of, you know, I had been, here listening to and have listened to again, you know, the usual specs one of, okay, well, there are layers. Well, this is a Christopher Nolan movie. There are layers. <laughs> Fair Pay enough. Attention. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it, it just sort of, I think probably that wound up in accidentally taking away some of the shock, which I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. Because in the end, it, <clears throat> you don't need to be shocked in order for the twist to be effective. And for it to no. work. And I think it that's... was still very effective and it still worked very much. Mm-hmm. And it still makes it, was... it, it makes for an entertaining movie and it makes for something that you want to watch again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to see about trying to watch this again at some point later on. Mm-hmm. For sure. This is every so often I find these little nice little gems that I, I either miss or like wind up kind of like looking like dirt when I especially or first like look at them months back and then it's like, oh, no, I rub a little bit off and oh. Diamond. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. This, this is, this is, this is one of those. So excellent. Well, good. Now, you know, this, this was a fun hour of conversation. I, I think we should do it again. Um, oh, absolutely. Well, how about we do it next absolutely. week? Of course. Okay. Well, that's good because uh, for anybody that's been keeping score at home, we're Nisbet's coming back next week. We're going to talk about another Christopher Nolan movie. We're going to talk about Dunkirk because I've okay. never seen it before. And, and he I won't have. stop talking about it. So we're I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, so we I, can think talk about it. I think I've I think I've messaged you a few times. A couple. I've also couple given times. you I think I've given you a couple of warnings too. <laughs> um But, but I'm yeah, looking, it's it'll be a fun one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It, it. I like Nolan. It just Dunkirk was one that slipped by me. So I get to uh, I get to fix that problem. Anybody, and, yep. Also for anybody else keeping score at home. Um I had previously before next week, I had told myself I would only see that movie once and be done. And I will be watching it again at some point this week. So I am very much breaking that promise to myself, but it took 
four years to do it, three and a half years to do it. So, well, it, this is a, this is a good enough reason. So, yeah, this is a very good reason. Uh, but thank you. This was this was great. This was great fun. I, I had a, I had a good time. Good, and I'm glad that you liked the movie. Like, I always oh, yeah. I always like when in I would say more time like many more times than not when I show somebody a movie for the first time, I do a pretty good job of finding something that they're gonna like. Um, Tank Girl is the the lone exception, uh, which I am reminded <laughs> of by the people that I had watched that many times. I well, I'm gonna have to go uh, go. Uh find that episode then and dig that up then from the uh yeah you have to uh, grab that out of the archives it's one of the earlier episodes um nobody liked it uh, i did <laughs> but i also can see its flaws uh but yeah i just overall um i'm really glad that you enjoyed the movie and this was a good conversation and i'm really looking forward to next week now because uh I- because- i'm really looking forward to next week too uh now obviously it'll be my turn to have to sit there, pause every five minutes and take notes. But, you know, <laughs> the, it, it's a, it's, I won't actually have to necessarily do that. Just, I, I've done a fair bit of studying of history. So like this one, even before just knowing what the title was, when I walked into the movie theater, it was okay. Well, I know exactly what this is going to be about. There are going to be no surprises for me. Mm-hmm. So, I'll definitely be interested in seeing what you think next week without you having, you know, really paid attention to that part of history. Cause yeah. I want to see what you think. Well, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So that's going to be next Sunday. Um, yes, and, it is. and this show, so I record the shows, uh, and live stream them on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. We do that Sundays at 8 PM Eastern time. So if you want to be like, uh, like Artemis Tigris or Phelan or Danny Ora, or anyone or else in the chat, uh, Nisbet, you're always in there when you're not on the show. Um, True. Come hang out in the chat room and uh, and yell at me about uh, peak Michael Caine or whether Deep Impact or Armageddon is the better movie. Um, I'm all about it. I, I really I enjoy seeing that in the chat room. So that's Sunday nights, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, and then the show comes out as a podcast on Wednesdays at tvstravis.com. Available anywhere that you get podcasts. Um, just search for Wait You Haven't Seen. If you do listen to the show and you do like it, giving a review and a rating on whatever platform you, you listen to it through, whether it's Apple, Google, something like that, does make the show more discoverable for other people. So one way is obviously you can tell people about the show, but also if you leave that review, if you leave that rating, that helps bubble it up. So when people are searching for movie podcasts, they might find us and maybe they'll enjoy it. Who knows? Um, so this will be out on Wednesday and like I said, next week, uh, it's going to be Nisbet back and we're going to talk about Dunkirk and I can't wait. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's another heavy one. So, well, that's fine. I mean, I, it's Nolan. (laughs) So I know what I'm getting into at least. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Uh, it is, it is very, very much Nolan. So, all right. Well, until next week, uh, you know, we always like to say to enjoy your movies and, The world's weird, but it's getting easier, so be excellent to each other. Magician.
This was built by a wizard. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>